Hi there, I'm Jerry Shank. Welcome to Legends of the Wind. Thank you for joining us on today's podcast. Here we are all on a hero's journey to discover the age-old questions of who am I? Where am I going? And where do I belong? What is my purpose? Myths, fairy tales, and fables all can help us discover our deeply needed answers to our questions. In today's episode, we get to listen to an amazing quest-like story called In the Hall of the Mountain King. It's about perseverance and stepping into your own royalty. It's got a mythical feeling to it, almost like a Lord of the Rings motif. After we listen to the legend, We'll discuss it with our guest. I wrote this legend several years ago for my good friend Niles Rivers when he was struggling at the time about his identity. He was faced with incredible opportunities as an artist and a performer in the entertainment industry, but he really needed encouragement and strength. Niles was experiencing incredible favor with his acting and singing, but it was not easy. He reached out to me and I received this legend for him. I can relate to his struggles, too. I know that when you have a desire in your heart and a sense of purpose and destiny, life's struggles can really hit you hard. And let me tell you, I've had my school of hard knocks, too. There are so many desires in my heart, and there are times I don't know if they will ever come true. Can you relate to that? I really hope today's legend speaks to your heart. We can all use encouragement. Fortunately for today's legend, we get to have the hero of this story to join us. Today's guest is my friend Niles Rivers. Niles is an ovation-nominated actor who played Simba in Disney's The Lion King stage production. And as a singer, he worked with Grammy-winning music supervisor David Foster and currently has a movie in release called One Last Prayer. You can find him on Instagram with at Niles Rivers and Facebook with Niles Rivers. His legend today paints a picture of mythic proportions and helps us to learn about the journey of identity. Niles, thank you for joining us today. How are you doing? I'm well. Thanks, Jerry, for having me. Great. So thank you for coming today, Niles. I'm really excited about presenting your story, your legend. But before we reveal too much, let's present In the Hall of the Mountain King. In the Hall of the Mountain King. Dark clouds of smoke covered the sky, and the rocks were hot like fire in the jagged mountain. The place was dark, even though it was daytime. And yet the weary warrior walked up the sharp, craggy, rocky trail, holding a torch in his hand as he pursued the summit. In his sheath was his sword, but he struggled to find his way through the trails on the mountain. The warrior kept walking higher and higher up the peak, knowing that the view at the top would be spectacular. The warrior's journey brought him to many places and through many valleys, but there were no other mountains like this. The higher he climbed, the more difficult it was to see where he was going and how high he was. The view along the way was dangerous, with sharp rocks of beautiful, rich colors. The land had lost its once lush meadows and green forest life, and now devastation ruled. Bones and dead bodies from long ago littered the trail. The skull's eye seemed to look out at the warrior and taunt him. He swore he could hear their thoughts, their spirits harassing him, saying, You shall die like the rest of us. But the warrior continued his trek and tightened his belt, the truth of what held him together. Higher and higher he wound his way up the trail, back and forth, scrambling on the stage of life. 
The rocks beneath him were loose and difficult, and he feared he would sprain his ankle, but he would not give up. The trail seemed to stop in front of him. A tall wall of rock faced him, and it was like a dead end. The impasse seemed impossible, and that there was nothing else he could do. Was this the end, he thought? What is the way through this? I cannot go forward. As he examined the rock wall that stretched high in the air before him, he saw ruins engraved on the surface. The dark language of ancient tongues seemed to laugh at him even more. Though he could not translate it, the words seemed to haunt the mountain as if no one could live in this place and reign. It was a covenant with death. The warrior saw this and became furious. Howls and cries came from behind him, and he turned around and looked at the source of the shrieks. Coming up behind him were the shades of the fallen that littered the trail. It was like a swirling flood of evil smoke that wound its way like a hurricane right toward him. The warrior stood his ground and held his torch high while he pulled out his sword. And as he unsheathed his sword, electricity shot out of the torch and lit the sword with glowing blue flames. The sword seemed to create revelation in his eyes. He knew that as soon as he used the sword, his torch would light his way and cause breakthrough for his situation. The hurricane of ghosts rushed closer and their cries echoed in the mountain. The warrior turned around and looked at the rock wall. The rocks closed him in, he thought. But the blue flames of revelation caused a unique idea to enter his mind. With a quick move and with great strength, the warrior took his sword and struck the wall in front of him. The sword pierced the stone and the ground shook. A huge earthquake happened and the cliffs high above loosed their boulders and they fell down into the chasm of the trail. The rocks, stones, and boulders came down with such a crash, they covered the ghostly horde and peace filled the atmosphere. The warrior stood stunned, thinking the avalanche trapped him even more. He struck the rock and his efforts thwarted the enemy, but would he have any hope of going anywhere else? Yet the warrior turned around to retrieve his sword. And as he looked, he saw that the sword caused a crack in the wall of rock. The line of the crack ran vertically, high above into the sky. But the bottom of the crack stood before him, and there was a little hole in its end. The warrior's eyes opened with curiosity, and he inspected it. The little hole was an opening of a keyhole. This caused the warrior to remember the gift his father gave him. It was a small treasure given to him long ago in his youth. The father found the son walking along the streets years ago and handed him his future saying, You're gonna make it, kid. You're still gonna make it. The little treasure was a tiny key he hung on his necklace. He kept it hidden and revealed it only to a special few. The warrior then took it out and inserted it into the keyhole. Loud noises sang from inside the rock wall and it clunked and clanged as if there was a great unlocking. The rock wall split into two pieces and cracked open before him. The ground shook as the path opened up and a new way to enter. The warrior stepped forward and held his torch and sword. The sword's blue light filled the space before him. The warrior entered the hall of the mountain king. As he went in, his eyes adjusted to the dark light. The hall was dim, but it was not impossible to see. Forms and structure became clear, and he could see the rock buttresses that held the hall high. 
and in front of him stood a large, long staircase that grew narrow as it rose. At the top was an empty throne. Chandeliers above him glowed with candlelight, and the darkness thinned. The warrior saw that the more he walked forward toward the steps of the staircase to the throne, the lighter it became. As he walked, people appeared on the side wings of the hall. They held out hands to him, for they wanted to dance with him and spin him around. But the warrior wouldn't because their hands were sticky. He couldn't set down his sword and torch to dance a dance of distraction. The warrior bowed before them in honor, and yet the people turned their backs on him and dishonored him since he would not dance. And some of them spit darts of stinging poison toward him. The painful darts hurt for a moment, but he continued to walk up the staircase toward the throne. He knew that he must honor the people, for he was in the hall of the mountain king. When the warrior had made it halfway up the staircase, there appeared before him the wizard of the land. The wizard did not speak one word, but his hands came upon the warrior's shoulders, and their eyes fixed on to each other. The wizard's eyes looked upon the warrior with great compassion, as he could see that there was little strength left in him. But as he held him, strength filled his soul. The warrior knew that if there was but one man who truly knew him, then there would be enough power to move on. And so he did. He walked higher to the throne at the top of the staircase. Lighter and lighter became the hall, and the rock walls and buttresses went from dark blue-gray to a lighter orange and yellow. Glory seemed to fill the place. The dancers of distraction were below the warrior, spun around as a whole as they raised their hands repeatedly in honor of the warrior. They saw that since his honor came their way, they did not know what to say to him. They realized that they cannot control the warrior and his hall, for they had no authority in it. They did not have the birthright, nor were they the heir. They were dancers of default, not of destiny. And so the warrior came to the top of the staircase and examined the throne. It was dusty and cobwebs covered it. He took his torch and burned off the dust and junk, and soon his heart purified the throne. And sitting on the back of the throne above the head was an inscription. At first the letters seemed too small, but as he peered, the inscription seemed to grow larger and bolder. It said, Fear of gold, fear of light, shining bright and full of delight. Let no one come to take your desire. Guard, protect, and inspire. Set them free with your spirit bright. Give them peace and stand in the fight. Now go and take your thrones. Speak the decrees and make them your own. This is your seat. This is your house. Be bold as a lion and not whimper like a mouse. Set us free with your sight. Give us your gold and shine your light. After he read the inscription, he turned and looked down at the armrest of the throne. Sitting there was a beautiful butterfly with multiple colors on its wings. It was large, and the wings were crystal, delicate, and thin. As it moved its wings, bright flashes of light pulsated out. Then a gust of wind came and blew the butterfly up as it flew high into the air and into the sunlight. The warrior looked out and saw the butterfly leave. It was at this moment he noticed that the throne became higher than even the halls of the mountain. He could look out over to the land and out to the horizon. Darkness was fading and the land filled with light and the sun rose high into the sky above the throne. 
Blue skies and orange clouds filled the zenith and the hall opened up more and more. The dancers of distraction below then shivered in fear for the beauty of the light caused them to remember their dishonor to the warrior. Though they judged him, he still sacrificed his desire to retaliate for his calling was nobler than theirs. They then ran to his feet and kissed them and asked for his blessing. They knew that they couldn't beat him, so they decided that they could join him with honor. The warrior sat on the throne of the Hall of the Mountain King and ruled over the land. He did not lord over them, but loved on them all. He saw he had great strength, and the poisonous darts that the dancers of distraction shot at him became the antidotes of love. He turned them around, and soon they became his vast army. Though they did not understand him or honor him, the land promoted him. And his heart was from love and deep forgiveness. He saw that in his strength it was greater to be compassionate than to be weak and strike down in harm. And as the warrior who became king ruled, the land became whole. The streams were no longer bitter. The crops grew and they were very fruitful. Blindness and darkness in the land's eyes became clear, and they finally saw each other as they truly were. Treasures upon treasures appeared, and the rains returned and refreshed the fields. And thus the warrior who became king kept stepping forward and didn't give up. He found his rest and peace as love filled the land. Inceptio and there it is in the hall of the mountain king <laughs> so niles um i wrote this story for you 10 years ago or 10 or 11 years ago and you and i have had a long journey together as our friends and uh you know we saw you getting ready in your life before you had your role in the lion king with disney and, and you were hearing in your heart about what it means to be a king and that kind of identity. And then you and I saw each other for who we were in our hearts, in our spirits. And we totally identified the royalty of our spirit. And so I've written this story and others. I've actually written, I think, four legends for you. <laughs> and my wife, of course, has a little bit more. But uh, uh, so with this legend in the Hall of the Mountain King, can you tell me why is this story so important to you? How does it touch your heart? Well, Jerry, um, it touches, it, it, it's important for so many reasons. Um, and it touches my heart for many of those same uh, reasons. Um, I would say important because the myth of of this kind of a story, I mean, it, it talks about, you know, it's the myth of walking through that, you know, the story of life, you know, the hardships, the, the um, you know, the negative people, the, the, the people that are trying to pull you down. Yeah, I, I love the, the characters you gave these, um, you know, to those things because it, it helps you to see it. It helps whoever the listener is to kind of see it and to really relate to it. Um, so it's just, and it, it, it talks about overcoming. I mean, it mm. talks about the fact that he goes through these things. He keeps his eye on the prize and he's going through it. You know, um, everything that's happening to him, trying to stop him. Um, he, he doesn't, he doesn't make time for it because his, his focus is absolutely on, on the goal on the mountain. Wow. So, um, 
it's just it's just great it's just great and so um i think that's why it's important um but it, what touches me personally um were just those moments that i definitely uh related to um moments where i wanted to quit mm. moments where i had those voices saying you're just gonna die just like the rest of us you know that <laughs> that whole thing i mean you know where you just you know you, you try you're thinking about stepping out in faith and stepping out of the boat stepping out of the comfort zone and kind of going okay maybe i'm gonna try this and then you hear all those thoughts you know you better not do it because you know just all those negative right and so i went through that personally so that really touches me to have that part in there um because that's what that's what we all go through that's what you know um if you're gonna win you're definitely gonna be winning over something you know what i mean it's over the challenges that try to get you down so um my gosh there's there's so many points that i could that i could pinpoint that i relate to in the story wow. but I, it's it's great it touches me yeah that's awesome you know, definitely talking about perseverance, you know, I was like, I've had all these stories for this Legends to Win podcast for 10, 11 years, and I've, I I didn't know what to do with them at the time for a long time, and then someone said, make it into a podcast, and I, I, I was like, wow, I, I did not know that this would be possible, and I had to persevere. My wife and I had to persevere, and, you know, we are all waiting for the coronation of our destinies, aren't we? <laughs> you know, becoming that king. And we don't say that in an arrogant or narcissist way. It has to do with, I think, coming into a place of maturity, coming yes. into a place of wholeness, and also yes. making sure that your craft is ready as well. You know, that you're, whether you're an actor or a musician or a writer, or you're real, that, that you're um, beginning to operate in your, your, your zone, you know, your fullness. Does that make sense? Yes. So why don't we talk about something else? What about uh, that impasse? You know, we have that moment where you persevered, you, you got up to the mountain, and you had yeah. all that evil and the, the darkness, and you somehow stopped it, right? But then you're trapped. Uh, Niles, how does that moment and that transition to getting into the mountain, into the hall, um, talk about that. How does that, I, how do you identify with that kind of scenario? Very, very interesting question. Um, what I love, the picture that you gave for this was that he went back to something like once he struck the rock, the the, 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 the big rock, it, it yeah. split. And so um, there was a crack. After all the avalanche and everything, there's a crack. And in the crack, there, at the end of it, there's a little hole. And now the hole ends up being a keyhole that took him back to his own childhood. That for me was the picture of humility. Mm. For me, it was a picture of humility, like humbling yourself, going back to, you know, the 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 rawness of, you know, what got you into it at the, in the first place. The 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 pure desire of of the the artwork or of the you know whatever the dream is. Not people, not being cool, not being. You know what I mean? None of those motivations, not money, not not any of those motivations. It's back to the 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 raw desire of, mm. you, you know what I mean, of the yeah. gift, you know. And so um, when he has to pull out the key, to me, that reminds me of that that inner work. He, he went in and, and remembered something. He had to humble himself, come away from all the 
outside and 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 humble himself and, and that's what worked that's what actually took him right into the uh so you're saying that humility is the key that opens the way in i believe that i do Okay. And would, yeah, really. you, would, would you say that when the calling comes as a kid, now a lot of people, uh, I've, I've, I've interviewed different people about when their spark comes. Mm -hmm. Often it happens around age 12 or 13 or 14. It's kind of like in that preteen early area and something mm -hmm. happens in their life that, that just ignites them. Do you yeah. think that key shows up in the kid's hand at that time? But then they don't have it to use until it's time for that maturity mm -hmm. and that place of humility. Does that make sense? That sounds absolutely right. That sounds right. I mean, that's that's. I can definitely attest to that because I knew I was given something at five, at age five. Like oh wow! I knew when I was five that I would act and I would live in California. I didn't know L.A. per se, but I just right. knew California. I was like, that's where it's happening. I know. <laughs> so I literally told her when I was five, told my mom when I was five, that that's where, where I would be and what I would do. And so, wow. but I didn't know anything else, you know what I mean? So yes, definitely the, the key was given, but the humility and the, you know, it's like, oh, <laughs> oh, right. The, the, learning school, curve. the school of hard knocks, right? Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> So let's say you entered the Hall of Mountain King. You persevered, you've matured, you have a, a humility on some level, and that whole mountain opens up. Uh, what for you in your life, I would say that there would be multiple openings happening in people's lives. It wouldn't be just one single moment. I think there would be stages or levels. Why don't you share with the audience anything about when an opening happened, where you entered into something monumental. Talk about that, please. Oh my. Um, <laughs> well, um, a few things, I mean, have happened. Um, I'm thankful in, in my life that I, I can I can kind of relate that to. Um, I mean, I guess the first one would be um, working with David Foster. Um, I, uh, all I knew was that here was this guy who had this sound. Um, uh, I heard him with Michael Jackson, heard him with Celine Dion. I just knew what he could do with a voice. Oh, and with Chicago, all those big songs uh, from back in the day. And so um, there was this one night I, I had a dream. I had a, 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 a visionish type of dream. I don't know. Wow. But I was standing before what I've always pictured God to look like huge like and he had this white robe on you know huh. i'm like standing where i'm standing his toe his big toe was about like this big, oh my <laughs> like, god wow it was like bigger than my head so uh but he reaches down in that moment and he he reaches into my heart and he takes out a blue box huh. and he goes um why didn't you ask me for this this would have told you that i love you Wow. You know, I love the whole world, but this would have told you that I love you. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so I woke up from that and I was just like, huh, like that was very interesting. I didn't know kind of what, what to really make of it, but I was just like, wow. And so I said, God, I want to do what you want me to do with my life because that's where I'm going to find peace and joy. But let me just, while we're talking, let me get this off my chest. <laughs> you know, I want to work with. I want to work with uh, four different music producers. I said, uh, David Foster, Glenn Ballard, Trevor Horn, and Babyface. 
Wow. So I was like, you know, right. I, I just went for it. I didn't know where they lived, England, wherever. I just said, that's it. I, I give it to you. I'm going to bed. Good night. So about two weeks later, my godbrother calls me and um, he asked me to sing for his wedding out in L.A. So I felt this intense pressure. As soon as he said, can you sing? I felt this. It wasn't a pressure like responsibility. It mm -hmm. was like excitement, like like pressure was in my chest about to burst. Like, wow. You know, so I called my god brother back. I said, hey, man, do you think I could um, if I come out, I could stay for a minute just to see what L.A. has to offer? He goes, yeah, man, come on out. So I came out, um, make a long story, a little bit shorter, um, went through singing at some open mics and this and that. I ended up um, giving my music to a guy in the wedding party, right? Of my mm -hmm. godbrother's wedding party. He gave the music to his best friend. And in seven weeks of me stepping foot on LA soil, I was sitting at David Foster's desk. Really? The reason why, because the best friend that he gave his, my music to worked for David Foster's brother-in-law. Just oh so, ha so happened, right, to work for David Foster's brother-in-law. So the music got passed up to him and uh, all the way up the ranks. And um, seventh week of stepping foot on L.A. soil, I was sitting with David Foster. Now, this is where God, I feel like he showed out. I feel like he was like, just because you believed. They came out and said, Niles, there was somebody having a meeting right before yours. Wants to know if he can stay in here, listen to you play for David. I was like, sure. Who is it? It was Glenn Ballard. <laughs> That's the second name I called in prayer in the dark in my room in my mom's house. Like the second name in order. I said, David Foster, Glenn Ballard. And here they were sitting at a conference table. Oh, wow. Ended up playing for him and got signed to him. And oh, wow. Yeah, that's, so that's amazing. That's amazing. Well, that let me actually kind of transitions to me uh, to when you and I met. Uh, yeah. In in that time, um, you were starting to have the bubbling in your heart about being a king, mm. and that uh, the opportunity to be part of Disney's The Lion King stage production in Vegas came right and yes. and and so when we, when we our friendship began we really said my king hello niles my king and you would right, say right, right. my king back we were like speaking to each other the, right. the core of our identity my king yeah. And, yeah. and and i was like thinking like wouldn't it be great if everyone addressed each other that way it wouldn't be it would cliche be. It wouldn't be old or, or or but it would be truly speaking to their hearts you know yes and yes. so so like with Simba in the story of the Lion King, you know, he starts off as a little little cub and, and is orphaned by, you know, Scar killing his father, Mufasa. And then he has to grow. He has to grow up and mature and then face and, and faces uh, and battle the things that oppose him. So in my question is, uh, when you were getting the opportunity to be part of the Lion King in the show, um, how is the identity of king important to you in your personal life? But how does it also, how did it prepare you for that role in that show? That's a great question. Um, well, okay, so how did, how did what prepare me? Uh, the, 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 the musing, yeah, the musing about being a king. Well, <laughs> you know, that's a great question. Um, I, I'll say two things about it because one, 
is what I learned about being a king is that um, being a king isn't it's not what I thought it was. <laughs> I'll put it that way. Okay. When I got my first check, my first check from Lion King, I was like, I was like super happy. Like I was just on this cloud. I was like, yeah, you know. And um, I went out. I was driving. I was driving this SUV at the time, and and I I parked. I was uh, at a red light, and I saw the, a car pull up next to me, and I could see the roof of that car. Like I would, you know, I could see the roof. So I just get this feeling, and I'm like, oh man. I feel like a king. Like I said that. And I think I might have even prayed it. I might have even said, Lord, you know, I feel like a king. <laughs> and I'm talking about clear as day. Clear as day. I heard it, a clear voice say, being a king is not a feeling. Oh. It's a position. Mm. And what matters is who is in that position. Uh, okay. And in the back. The verse came to me, take my yoke upon you and learn of me because I am meek and lowly in heart. So the meekest person who has ever walked the face of the earth, the one who is meek to his core is the absolute God of the universe. Wow. The meekest person ever has all the power ever. Mm hmm. You know what I mean? And, so that's really cool. So let me jump you know. in real quick because some people in the audience may think, "Oh, meek is weakness," and I yeah. I've learned uh, there's a picture uh, about the word meekness. It, it has to do with a stallion or a horse that is super strong, super powerful, but it's under control. It, it's like a horse that has a, a bitten bridle. It can yeah. do powerful things, but it maintains yeah. self control. Does that make sense that's, to you? That's it. Go ahead. That's really great. No, that's great. That's absolutely great. So, um, so that that's that was one of the first things that um, that I started to learn about being a king. It was like, okay, so a king doesn't lord over people, even though it seems like they would. A good king doesn't lord over people. He doesn't, you know. Yeah, that's right. You know, there's no, <laughs> there, that's not a good king, you know. But a good king is meekly serving. He, he is looking at his position as a servant of all, of a lot of people. And so um, it, it's just a beautiful thing. It's a, it's a, it's a really beautiful thing to, to, uh, to come into, mm. you know, what, what kingship actually is, mm -hmm. you know. And that also speaks to opposition to being a king, right? So we go mm -hmm. further into right. the hall of the mountain king, and mm -hmm. we have people who don't like us being a king. Right. They come yeah. against our identity. They're naysayers. They're jealous mm -hmm. people. They're angered people. People who think, oh, who are you? Or you're in a position that I want to be in and I will destroy you to take your position. Right. Mm -hmm. And then you go further up the, the staircase and in those battles, you get wearing out. You're, you're worn yeah. out. You're, you're hurting. You, you're, you got wounds. And then you need that wizard, right? The one man, if there's just but one man that can see me for who I am, I put my hand on your shoulders and I look into your eyes and I remind you, I remind yeah. you. So um, how about that kind of stuff, the opposition and being strengthened? What is it what? about your journey that talks about that? 
Well, in my journey, what I related that to um, was honestly people like you. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, nice little plug there for yourself. <laughs> so, uh, God, it comes alongside you and strengthens you. No, I'm just joking. It's okay. You've been there for no. me too, brother. No, no, no I know. I've, I've been I've at low it. points as well. <laughs> because it's just perfect. That it really is that clear. I mean, it's, you know, you are definitely a picture of that person for me, you know. Thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, we we got to know each other at a time where, you know, definitely my, my you know, you're just kind of walking through your journey and saying, Lord, you know what's going on and so right. he sends people by you to speak life into you and just to encourage you and man you have absolutely been that for me so wow uh, yeah it's an yeah. honor man it's a real honor because i think like like one thing i want to do for anybody is mm -hmm. you know anybody who's wounded or anybody who's down uh, I want to encourage them, but I just don't want to give lip service. You know, one of the things I find um, that is not lip service, but still is words of encouragement, is reminding of people who they really are. That you're not mm -hmm. a, a weak loser, or you're not failed, or you're an orphan with no father. No, you're a king. You're a queen. You're a royal daughter, a royal prince. And uh, and and then when you understand that identity is not based upon based upon position or money or accomplishment identity is based on relationship and so who whose son are you are you a son of someone of love or someone of death and and you know who who do you choose to identify with and so thank you for honoring me i, I love you and I, i'm so glad that we've had our journey together but for the audience's sake, um, let's remind them that you may be hurting, you may have pain, you may have anger. Uh, it's been a hard time, uh, but inside you are a child of light and a child yeah. of love. And you are um, going to be set free from lies and from death. And I think that um, that's what motivates me. I mean, I want to be a dreamer that inspires other dreamers. My destiny is fulfilled when I help yeah. others fulfill their destiny. That's kind of like the archetype I, I see myself. And for you, um, so you've gotten strengthened. Let's talk a little bit about the opposition. You know, I know that you've had some doozies of uh, challenges and you can share whatever you feel comfortable with but uh what is it about being a king and coming up against something that opposes you what is that like for you yeah it's it's um it's definitely a moment where you have to again it's, it's that moment of kind of going back inside you know what i mean mm -hmm. where you have to go back inside and get those pieces again because a lot of times we give out so much we're, we're serving we're doing we're planning we're working and so a lot of times it's easy to forget kind of who you actually are because you're being told or being asked or being kind of requested from people you know so you're putting on a lot of different hats can you do this oh yeah i can do that can you do this oh yeah you know actually i can do it. you know what i mean so you're putting on a lot of different hats for a lot of different reasons and people right. and situations but so it's easy sometimes to forget who you actually are uh, you know what I mean? um and so those times opposition can come with those lies you know and start trying to tell you oh you're 
not this and you're not that and actually you're this because you've been doing this and I see that you da 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 da. That's like the like, dancer's oh. a distraction, right? The At opposition is a distraction. That's of, it. Of, you're distracting of who you are, your your yep. attention. Where's your attention, yep. right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or they want to, or the sticky fingers ones, where they want to attach you to whatever it is that they're that they're distracting you to. They want to attach you to it, like you know, get got them, you know. Yeah. As soon as you say yes to it, it's like, oh, I can't get away if I could just, oh. uh, you know. So yeah, those those things are very very real. Um, wow. Yeah, that's that opposition is <laughs> very real. Yep, very real. It's true. Yep. It's true. So we get to the top of the th staircase. There's a throne, and it's yeah. dusty. It's got cobwebs on it, and you clean it off. It's almost like that's your place of identity, and you haven't been there. You know, you're walking into something that uh, you haven't been to, uh, and you sit down, and there's that inscription. But it's interesting. I remember that butterfly, right? It's yeah. delicate. It's got the crystal wings. It's colorful. Well, what is a butterfly before it becomes a butterfly, right? Yeah, it's, absolutely. It's metamorphosis. It transitions from I'm a worm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm nothing, and mm -hmm. I go into a cocoon. Mm -hmm. And I am transformed. I, I die and change my DNA, right? And then I yeah. become something beautiful yeah. and, and, and truly transformed. So yeah. so now you, you've got this new uh, studio. You, you've got this new business. You're, you're stepping into another season of life. And I remember you telling me that this seems like a greater level of fullness for you. So mm -hmm. almost like this is where your throne resides in this season. And mm -hmm. you're still going to do acting. You're still going to do your own music and producing. Mm -hmm. So uh, as we wrap up this show, uh, this episode today, could you share about where are you now today? And how does the identity of being a king speak to you now? What is it? We've talked about the past. We've talked about the heartaches and the growing and the persevering. But what is it for you today? Well, um, Jerry, I don't know if it's... Um, it, you know, I, I guess it's, it's a, what is the verse that says, um, the hope of glory, the hope of glory, Christ in us, the hope of glory. Okay. Cause that's, that's basically what it is now. Like it's, I mean, because of what I've learned, I know now that it's not about me. Mm -hmm. It really is about the glory of another king of mm -hmm. the actual like the king of king mm -hmm. you know what i mean it's about his glory so um that's what enables me to to go ahead and keep pushing through like that's actually the goal now it's not it's not even about my throne anymore it's right. about his throne and me him him allowing me to find you know find it for him you know what i mean i'm basically doing you know like he put something in me to go search out right and so i'm getting to go search out what he put in me right and find that place but it's ultimately for him so i can i can relieve myself of the pressure of having to you know what i mean it's like oh oh now when i find the throne what do i do it's like no no no. i'll still be looking at him i'll still be asking father you know what i mean when when i when i get to that actual place i'll still be going okay this all belongs to you and so 
you know, get your glory, receive your glory. So that that really is kind of where I'm at now. I want to see what his heart is for me. That's um, that's awesome. I really appreciate that. And cool. also, I, I want to speak to the audience about the that all of us, no matter what faith we have, uh, or if we are not a Christian or not a Buddhist, all of us are children of light. All of us have been created in, in a place of light. And all of us have had a journey to go through. And some of us, like, like Niall said about the dancers, the distractions and things like that, there's always a fight against your identity. There's always something that's speaking and lying to you. And for me, with this podcast, with this show, I want to help inspire everyone else to tap into the identity of royalty for yourself and that knowing that destiny is real and your identity is real. And so um, uh, I just want to be able to lift people up in any walk of life. And yeah. also, it's important to know that um, if you feel like you have an orphaned heart, find out who fa who's your father. Is it, is it someone who speaks death to you, lies, or someone who's of truth and of love? And, and wholeness. And if you can transition into that place of light and love and wholeness, then you can begin to walk into your identity and your destiny. Um, Niles, do you have any final thoughts that you want to speak to the audience about? Uh, is there anything about the inscription on the throne or anything about the end of the story or any, the story as a whole? Uh, what is the, your final encouragement to the people who's watching or listening? You know what I really want to say to you guys is just keep focused and keep believing like keep keep your focus on on believing like do you know what i'm saying like keep your focus on the goal on believing it um like imagine how it's going to be once you get there like put yourself already there because that's where father is that's where jesus is like they're already that's where you know the the, the story is already written is what i'm trying to say and the story's already written. And so just find yourself already at the end of it. So that that can take you through sometimes the hardest points is imagining how it's gonna be when you get done. Actually, when I'm when I'm writing a song and I have this really difficult riff that I'm trying to, I'm like, man, I keep messing it up. I go to the point in my mind, I go to when I'm playing it really well. Mm -hmm. Like this is actually what I really do. And I go, oh man, I can't, oh, it's gonna be so nice when I'm playing that really well. Instead of sticking to the, moment i go to the good moment that hasn't happened yet but i know it's on its way because i'm talking about it and then by the time i like lose track of time and i'm working on it thinking about the future it's there the moment's there and all of a sudden i'm playing the riff and i'm like hey there it is no it really happens they wow. really happens. i just put my mind on that and then it, it's there so that's um that just keep believing keep believing it <laughs> it's like it's like kermit right keep believing keep on dreaming keep on singing write your own, own story it's so true. it's so good well niles uh this conversation has been awesome i'm so glad of how uh we've explored different things of your legend I would love for you to be a guest many more times because I think you have three more legends left yeah. or, or something like that. <laughs> but, you know, you're a great friend. Thank you so much for being on uh, this episode as my guest. You um, got it. And I appreciate you and I love you. And so um, for the audience, thank you for listening and watching today. We hope that you enjoyed today's uh, episode of In the Hall of the Mountain King. 
May you have a wonderful, good time. Thank you very much. Thanks for joining us today on the Legends of the Wind podcast. Be sure to subscribe, like, and hit the bell button to be alerted of future episodes. And don't forget, our stories are found here in life and beyond the imagination. Now you can finish your story. Keep dreaming, keep believing, and we'll see you again in our next episode of Legends of the Wind. Audiobooks and merchandise are available at legendsofthewind.com. Go and check it out.